Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. And this week, we're talking about Parshat Re'eh, which is Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, through chapter 16, verse 16. And our theme today is decision-making. How do we make decisions when we never have all the information? And how do we help somebody who's trying to make a decision? Okay, and so we're going to illustrate this with a fictional vignette. So our character, our main character, is going to be a woman, Javi, who's a 34-year-old lawyer. And for the past eight months, Javi has been dating, long distance, a man named Shimon, who's 35, he's an actuary, and she met him online through a Jewish dating site. Shimon and Javi share values, they get along fine, they seem to be compatible, but their relationship feels kind of boring to Javi. And her family has been pressuring her to get engaged to Shimon already. Shimon is eager to move forward. And it's not that Javi needs pressure. After all, she can hear her own biological clock ticking quite loudly enough. Thank you very much. But just three weeks ago, Javi met somebody else. She didn't plan on it, but she was at a wedding. And Gavriel, a 27-year-old musician, was playing at the wedding. And somehow she was sitting near the band and they were kind of catching each other's eyes and she felt kind of sparks. And she and Gavriel hung out after the wedding. And while Javi felt very guilty about this, since she is kind of committed and involved to Shimon, she couldn't help wondering if she should give this a chance. The power of choice and decision-making that is a major theme of our portion this week. Parshat Re'eh is chock full of commandments, 55 of them by one count, but it's really about choosing. You get to choose. Do you do the commandments? Do you do the mitzvot or not? We hear in this parsha about makom asher yivchar, the place God will choose, meaning the, uh, the place where the temple is going to be, Jerusalem that God actually is going to choose. We hear about the not adding or subtracting to the mitzvot, choosing to stick to God's word and not add things we want to add or take away things we don't like. The choice of monotheism versus idolatry, of kosher animals or treif ones. And even the choice of a slave, whether to go free after seven years or if he wants, he can stay. This idea of choice is all summed up in the first verse of our Parsha, Chapter 11, verse 26. anochi noten lifnechem hayom, bracha uklala. See, I set before you this day blessing and curse. And Rambam famously says that this is one of the proof texts in the Torah for the concept of free will. That God says, if you have a choice, you can choose blessing, you could choose curse. And ultimately, God wants you to choose blessing, wants you to choose to do the right, but it's up to you. So some of these choices that our Parsha talks about have very 
kind of definitive. It's clear what's going to be the right thing, what's going to be the wrong thing. But some of the choices, even in the Parsha, it's not so clear. It's, it's a personal preference. You know, it's like, do you want to stay with a master that you've become accustomed to and that you might love? It's not a right or a wrong. It's, it's a kind of personal preference or how much money to offer up. That's right. You know, all the, it's, so some of these things, it seems very clear. Of course, there's one answer. But in our vignette, for example, it isn't obvious I mean, some people are going to say, of course, go. she should go with the, the guy that is, is clear, that's solid, that wants to make a commitment, or maybe say, oh, no, let's go with the romantic. Go with the fire in your heart. Maybe, you know, Gabriel may be a little younger. He may be a musician, but he may be a great guy. This might be really fabulous. It's not, it's, there's no directive from on high that says which is the right one. It's like, what is Chavi going to decide? It seems like religion and halacha, Jewish law have limits in what they can tell us about a choice. Right? That's right. If it's a moral or a ritual choice, then there's a lot to say from the Torah. But what about, yeah, which apartment to rent, which person to marry? That's right. Yeah. What's the Torah person to, uh, to marry, the, the, the Torah <laughs> apartment to rent? Right. Right. People who are struggling to make decisions and sometimes even the smallest of decisions. Yeah. Why? What's causing that? There, this is such a basic question. And of course, we're talking in terms of gradations. If people are really struggling and obsessing in a constant ruminative way about all kinds of decisions, that might be a manifestation of obsessive compulsive disorder. And we can talk a little bit about that. But for a lot of people, there's a fear that once you make a certain choice, you've limited other opportunities. If you decide to go on vacation to Switzerland, well, you're not going to Japan. You know, so what might have happened in Japan? That kind of FOMO, that fear of missing out, can really plague people. And it certainly is there in dating and in serious relationships. If I settle for this person, how do I know that tomorrow I might have met somebody prettier, more handsome, more exciting, more whatever it is, you know? There's billions of people in the world. That's right. I think we all know that there isn't just one Mr. or Ms. Wright that's going to be perfect, that that you could be happy with a number of people. So could I be happier <laughs> with the person I might meet on the A train tomorrow? So it's there's some fear of missing out. Yes, and I better. think there's also for a lot of people the fear of of moving on in time. Sometimes it's it's kind of you know looked at or talked about in a sort of disparaging term, the Peter Pan syndrome, which is usually used for young men or not so young men who don't want to make commitments. But I think it's true for men and women in, in a lot of different ways that if you make a decision, if you choose a career, if you choose a spouse, if you choose where to live, that you're you're moving on in time and there's a fear of time passing. You kind of want to stay you know, a certain age, you don't want to be over 30 or over 50 or whatever it is. And somehow staying undecided kind of feels like you're, you're stopping time. So, so avoiding a decision is in some sense related to our fear of the finitude of life, of death? I, I think if you want to get really philosophic about it, I think it could be related for some people. Wow. Yeah. So if somebody comes to us like Javi, and is struggling with 
a decision or maybe many decisions, how healthy is it for us to, to give advice to that person? If they say, just tell me, I need your help. What should I do? Should we engage? I think the best thing to do in such a situation is really to listen. And something that I became aware of some years ago was a fascinating institution in the Quaker faith, which is called a clearing committee, where if somebody is facing a very difficult decision of any kind, um, they convene a committee of three people who are considered wise or elder, or not necessarily older. A based but, in. Yeah, kind of a based in, but they, they, these are of civilians. And they sit and listen to the person who is experiencing the conflict for an hour, an hour and a half. It's kind of like the same principle as mediation, uh -huh. that when you let people talk something through, you kind of hold the space and help them find their own way. So I think that kind of is a really helpful thing to do for a person who's not plagued by OCD to help them find their way and to listen to say, you know, something you keep on saying or something that I'm hearing is such and such. I see. So the committee gives some feedback yeah. towards the end. Yeah. What I don't think is such a great idea is, I mean, unless somebody is doing something that you think is really dangerous, and then I would say so, is kind of what we do in therapy is to point out what you see as the recurrent themes, as the potential conflicts ahead, but to try to help people find their way. I think it's actually, unless you see something really bad that you're afraid will happen, it's a little bit dicey to come down too hard on either side. And I've certainly seen parents, and as a parent myself, have felt this way, because if you say, well, I really don't like this person, and that your kid winds up marrying that person, like you're in they, trouble. You're in trouble. That's right. There's always that feeling like, well, you never liked him or her anyway. Not to mention that presumably growth comes from that person really That's right. taking their own counsel. That's right. That's right. So I think it's I think it's actually can be hurtful to come in strong, like I know better. Because mm -hmm. you, you're not gonna live that person's life. And you may not know better. That's right. That's <laughs> true too. Now, right. In terms of language uh, that people use when dealing with someone making a decision, I think there's a tendency to say things like, trust your gut. Yeah. Or, you know, around marriage, people would say to me, you'll know when it's the right one. You'll just know. Yeah, I don't buy that, actually. I, I don't either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that trusting your gut can actually be really bad advice because if you're very smitten and in the throes of a, you know, hormonal passion or a kind of romantic fantasy that can be so exciting to be eclipsed by this possibility of like, oh, my life is going to be different and mm. it's going to be this, you know, it could, it might work out, but it also might not work out because you're really, you know, you're kind of in an altered space. So what I think while it doesn't portend well, if there isn't a sense of romance in a relationship, I don't think that the opposite is true. That because you feel so smitten, that that's a sign that it's perfect. I see. I don't think you always know. I think you can feel a sense of solidness and a sense of something being right and that there's real possibility. But I don't think that that's that that your, your, your gut's going to say, oh, yes, this is the one. Especially since I said before, I don't think there is just the one. <laughs> right, right. And sometimes people's guts also tell them all kinds of things. That's tell, right. tell them, oh, this person's great, this person's also great. So that's <laughs> right. trusting your gut isn't so helpful. <laughs> right, um, right. Let's say you make a decision. Let's say Javi chooses one of these guys. Yeah. But then the relationship that she continues with is really, you know, causing her a lot of pain. She, she becomes obsessed with the idea that 
if she had just made the other decision, everything would be perfect in her life. Right. What do you say to someone like that? How do you help them to to stop, you know, obsessing on previous decisions? Right. I think, look, first of all, if, if they did make a mistake, I think that it's important to acknowledge that um, and to say you can get out of mistakes. So let's say in the situation of a marriage and if somebody isn't sure, and I've seen this a number of times, my biggest advice is delay uh, having a child. Mm. Like get to know yourself in this context and, and see how it goes. But try not to do something that really is a permanent yes. uh, commitment and, and bond between the two of you. Because a lot of people do go into marriage feeling very, very uncertain. Uh -huh. That's that's just a reality. Um, so I, I think that, and that's certainly part of our Torah also, that there are ways to remedy big mistakes. But I do think that obsessional rumination, my life would have been different if only it can be, right. uh, can also be a terrible, eroding distraction and, and keep somebody from really engaging in their life and, 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 be, and living it fully. And sometimes it could be a, a, actually a fairly benign decision, not marriage, right. right? Right. So, but to those people... I think they need to see that that rumination, that obsessing, the doubting disorder, as I think Freud called it, really is something that is an affliction and that they need to, they need to understand and work through. That if somebody is always like thinking I did the wrong thing, I should have done this, and this is occupying a lot of their 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 headspace, that that's actually a kind of malady in itself that deserves treatment. It's not the decision; it's the process that they're going through. So going back to our parsha, you know, it says, "I set before you blessing and the curse," and we're supposed to choose the blessing. But as we know, as human beings, it's not always clear what is the blessing, what is the right course of action, and often there are many right courses of action. So I think the way to sounds like the way to uh, make a decision will come through talking it through with people who care about you and recognizing that you're gonna try the best you can. Yeah, and, and that the decision that you make, you continue to live the consequences of that decision and you wanna make that as beautiful as possible. You wanna live, you wanna inhabit your decision joyfully. Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. Shalom. <laughs>